The last two weeks we've been in a series talking about why church? Why church? Now, for you, you're here. Obviously, you see a reason, a good reason to get up on Sunday morning and be here. Why church? But you know people that are not here and don't attend here or anywhere. They're out there. And maybe you take some of the things we share and the principles and even unfolding some of the excuses and take it to them in love, share with them, because if they're a believer and they're out there not attending a local church and they can, I'm not talking about exceptions and physical problems. I'm talking about somebody who can, but has uh, an excuse for not attending. So we'll get into that, some of the excuses, some of the benefits in just a moment. But part of our church is handing out a bulletin on Sunday morning. And years ago, every church did. Not so much anymore. Maybe the day will come when we may not. But there's been a lot of, of what we call church bulletin bloopers. And uh, so we, let me share a couple of those with you today. You show up on Sunday morning, you get a bulletin. This was actually in the bulletin of a church, not here. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice, all right? That's not our choir, right? Our youth basketball team is back in action Wednesday at 8 p.m. at the Recreational Hall. Come and watch us kill Christ the King. Academy is assumed there, all right? So don't let worry kill you. Let the church help, all right? Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. I shouldn't have shared that one. All right, anyway, the peacemaker meeting scheduled for tonight has been canceled due to a conflict. All right. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around your house. Make sure you bring your husband. All right. All right. <laughs> I thought some of you ladies would like that. All right. Shouldn't laugh too loud. All right. And finally, read the Bible. It will scare the hell out of you. All right. So <laughs> let's pray. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you for the believers that are the church. I pray your blessing on this time. I pray your blessing on every person there at Redbug Lake Campus, there at Michigan Street Campus, there online, in the atrium. God, pour out your spirit upon us all. Move upon our hearts. God, you're going to move many people today to a next step experience. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here and that the campuses to move upon us, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The church we know is ourself. We are the church, but then locally, this is the church because we come together and make up a local church. 
And then internationally, universally, around the world is the church made up of believers and local churches and all over the world. So that's the framework of the definition of the church. In the book of Acts chapter 2, these are the verses that we have been looking at in this three-week series. So we look today at uh, go back to the very first church. um, If you're going to study a subject or a person or an event, it's best to go back to the first mention or the origin or the genesis of an event. If uh, I'm studying tithing, I want to go all the way back to the first mention. And many times in looking at different subjects or events, I'll go back and find the first mention of it to get a, a boundary of where this is going. And so we go back here to the very first mention or the very first local church that Jesus Christ established in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the word, in their teaching about Christ and about his plan for their life, and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear, reverential reverence, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done as a result of these people coming together in one accord, uh, uh, seeking out the teaching about Christ uh, and living for God, the word, breaking of bread, communion, just like we just partook of, and then breaking of bread of food, fellowship and meals, and then instead fast prayer. Then miracles broke out. This is one thing I want to see more of in this church is miracles break out. People walk in, get healed during worship, get healed during the preaching of the word, uh, get healed before they walk in the door and when they walk out. That is what uh, is one of the desires of my heart. Last Saturday night, uh, not last night, but a week ago, a lady walked up. She said, it's just my uh, daughter and myself. I've been diagnosed with cancer. I'm really struggling with this. Her tears were flowing from her eyes, and that's why I stepped up to her. She was leaving the building, and my heart went out to her. I prayed for her. We prayed for her in staff. She came to Tuesday, uh, ladies' prayer, and uh, she came up this Saturday night, walked up to me with a different expression, and said, went back to the doctor, They said, we're going to get a second opinion. Uh, We can't find any cancer right now in your body. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, God is still working miracles, but I want that to be the common thing around here. Amen. Praise God. So many wonders, many signs were done. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, this was the early church. Strangers were there on the day of Pentecost. Uh, uh, There were people there from 16 different nations of the world, Jews that came to celebrate Pentecost. And they came together. They heard Peter preach. 
3,000 men gave their heart and life and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't include, uh, I don't know how many women, how many children were brought into the kingdom through that one preaching service. And so they began to gather together at uh, different places, sharing the word, getting into the teachings of Christ. And so this was taking place on an incredible level. But that church was being pressed upon. It was a measure of persecution that started from the beginning and then just broke loose, driving the disciples to the different parts of the world. But this was a unique situation. There were people there with great need. So people were selling and bringing it all, and they were distributing as everyone had need. But later, as we learned, local churches established in different parts of the world. Paul then teaches us that we're to work. And he said, I work and toil night and day. He was a tent maker. And then he'd preach the gospel. And he said, if you won't work, uh, you shouldn't eat. Uh, if you don't provide for your household, you're worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. He's talking to believers. So the principle of working is there, not relying on somebody else, but working. I said, if you could, uh, you work. But if you can't, that's a different story. You need help. That's a totally different situation. Let's go on. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, happiness, Recently, someone uh, gave a review on Google, and it said, when I go to this church, I feel happy. How many of you know it's all right to feel happy in church? Amen? And so there have been many times I've got up on Sunday morning or some other service uh, time, and I was tired. I didn't feel like going to church. And, and that's a, how many of you have ever not felt like going to church? How many of you didn't feel like coming today? All right, so, but you did it anyway, and you walked in, Pastor John and the whole team started leading us in worship, and all of a sudden, you started feeling better. I mean, you got happy. It affected your flesh. Uh, you started just praising God. Worse, you got happy, and that's a good thing. It's good to get happy in church. Well, in the early church, there was, number one, intentional spiritual growth intentional spiritual growth. Number two, there was genuine loving fellowship. There are faith groups. We had several hundred people last week pick up informational faith groups. There are classes that meet throughout the week. There are ministries you can get involved in. Uh, there are people that uh, you are needed in all kinds of places. Talk about, uh, they need more ushers. They need more greeters. They need people out helping uh, park, valet parking. I mean, there's needs throughout this property, and you could get to be a part of it and meet somebody and form relationships. Fellowship is a very important thing. It was a vital part of the first church. You need relationships. Uh, Pastor Jason from Redbug sent an example in, and I started looking at it, and I thought, that's just neat. I liked it. I've never seen the Redwoods forest out 
in uh, California. Uh, but I've seen pictures of them, been amazed. These huge trees that can grow 35 stories tall and uh, with great uh, width. And they've even cut out holes where little cars can drive through. Uh, absolutely amazing trees. But what I found really amazing was the root system was only six or eight feet deep because these roots would all grow together, intertwine, and uh, a picture of them there. And these trees were more stabilized because the root system would intertwine with other trees. And so it was like a weave that was holding them in the storm or the flood or whatever was coming against them. And that's the way it should be in the local church. We should be woven together so that when the storms of life come, we're there for one another. We help each other. We reach out to each other. That's a part of fellowship. Well, number three, there was persistent praying. Number four, there was a demonstration of generosity. Well, with all the benefits of serving the Lord in a local church with all those benefits. There was a study done. Barna, who studies churches and characteristics of it, found out that there are approximately 10 million self-proclaiming born-again Christians in America that haven't been in church in at least six months. And most of those 10 million say they have a vital faith but they don't see it as connected to a local church. Well, whether we like it or not, all of the Word of God is for us to walk in. Can you say amen? Well, let's look at Hebrews. I know many of you know probably this by heart. You've had it maybe quoted to you, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, verse 25, it says, and let us, Paul, saying, let us, at Faith Assembly, let us at every local church all over the world, let us consider one another, not for what we can get from the relationship, but in order to stir up love and good works. We are encouragers when we come together in the body of Christ, not forsaking. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He's talking about the local church, as is the manner of some 10 million or so in America, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and leave out this vital truth from your life. There was a reason Paul was saying that. He wasn't just saying it. There is a spiritual, vital reason. The Bible says, consider one another. In verse 24, the word consider speaks of attentive. We are to be attentive to need to, to others. We are, it's to be continuous, attentive, continuous care. Now, let me stop there. This church um, is not perfect. 
And some time ago, myself, Pastor Johnny, I'm not sure if anyone else got the email, but a lady, a dear lady, um, she had lost her husband some time ago, and the church reached out and called, contacted, made uh, um, it a priority at that moment to reach out to her. But she said, the problem was there was no follow-up. Initially, there was, the church was there, but then as time went by and she's dealing with issues of a loss of a husband, we weren't there. Now, getting an email like that is, is sad for me. And then you think, okay, let's write, let's apologize, let's ask forgiveness, and then thank them for sending the email. We want to know when we fail, when we miss it. And so she sent that email, and that gave us the opportunity to say, wait a minute, we need to do something about this. So now Pastor Jim has got some people involved where we set up a ministry for will widows, and when they lose their husband, we're going to be there initially, then we'll be there a week from now, and two, and three, and right on, and right on. That is ministry in the attentive, continuous version. So... If we fail, and we certainly have, then let us know so by the grace of God we can try to be better. Well, in verse 24 it says, stir up love, stir up the works in others, stir it up. If you want to know what love, real love looks like, maybe the next time you say, hey, I love you then maybe you need to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and find out what love is all about. Let me give you one thing that says it says about love. Love hardly even notices when others do it wrong. Oh boy, that'll challenge you, won't it? Right there, all right, so, okay. So ladies, the next time he starts to say, why don't you do that? Just say to him, 1 Corinthians 13, love hardly even notices when I do it wrong. And that's what I do to you. All right, so anyway, in 1 Corinthians 10, 25, the word forsaking means to let down. When you're not here, when you're not apart, you let down. Uh, the body of Christ, there's a need that's uh, a void because that need was meant to be met by you to abandon their attendance at meetings. Uh, and so God help us to understand that God wants us to be a part of a local fellowship. It's his idea as we get to it in a moment. Parents, let me go ahead and say to you, if you have teenagers, years ago having someone say, well, they're about 15, I think 16 maybe, and they said, I'm just going to let them decide. I'm like, what? You're going to let a 15-year-old decide whether they want to go to church or not? You're going to go in there on Sunday morning, say, honey, baby, uh, do you want to feel, you feel like going to church this morning? No. Hey, look, get your hide out of bed. You're, we're running late. Uh, let's get to church, all right? So, of course, you do it in love, all right? You make them breakfast ahead of time, all right? Treat them good, but get them here. No. What if your 15-year-old said, I don't think I'm going to ever take a bath again? You'd be like, uh, long as you live here, I'm not going to smell your body walking around here. And so you're going to take a bath. And 
I don't feel like going to school. Yes, you're going to go to school. If I mean, please, God help us. How many of you don't always feel like going to work on Monday morning? But you get out of bed and you go to work anyway. And so we don't always do what... Uh, what we don't want, well, let me back up. We have to do what we sometimes don't want to do. And so, anyway, I challenge you, I encourage you. Their eternal life, their spiritual life is a whole lot more than their bath, all right? Well, praise God forever. Well, there was a study done on church benefits. Let me give you uh, five of these. There's so many more, but here in the practical sense are some study of church benefits. Number one. A lower risk of depression, all right? Number two, better time in life management. Church attendance reduces drug use, violence, delinquency among at-risk youth. There are so many benefits. Couples fall in love all over again. Uh, singles find a great godly husband. Yes, 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 may it be so for all you singles, all right? So, or a wife, I should add that better grades and education prospects. There's a, a desire to excel. You have Christ living in you. It's not just coming to church, getting Christ living in you, reigning in your heart. Longer life expectancy, number four. And number five, better sex lives. Okay, all right. Uh, but I think that takes two times a week coming to service and tithing. All right, so anyway, I just saying. Okay, make sure you tithe next time. All right. And speaking of tithing, it was throughout the Old Testament, it has not been rescinded in the New. We teach tithing here because we know what the Word says about it, and we want you to be blessed. That's the principle of talking about it. There are some people that have even left, not many, but a few over the years have even left because they say we talk too much about money. We do not talk too much about money, even though I'm talking about it right now, okay? And so we don't. We, we give you the opportunity to give. We tell you the benefits of giving. We challenge you, but we don't charge you to get in the door. And you could come here for 30 years and not give a dime. We're not going to meet you at the door and say, hey, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I know this has been 30 years and you haven't given a dime. Now it's time for you to leave. All right, so we have, have not, are not going to do that. Well, uh, anyway, I'm not planning. All right, so there are, there are many verses in the Bible about giving and actually more giving verses in the Bible than praying about praying. That does not mean that giving is more important than praying, but it means that people struggle sometimes with prayer, and they certainly struggle with sometimes with giving. 16 out of 29 parables Christ talked about or told about were a person or persons and their money. So God help us to understand this. Uh, Sometimes it is an excuse. They say it's all about money. Nothing could be further from the truth. Here's the truth. We have a great vision that God has given us, and we're going to ask people to support that vision because we want to reach people, disciple people, give to missions, and impact our world. Well, 
Another excuse, person says, well, the pastor made a mistake I don't like. Hey, sometimes I make mistakes I don't like. All right, so anyway, so the truth of the matter is we're all going to make mistakes. And uh, we get over it, we go on. But probably the number one reason with all the, even though we have so many benefits of being a part of a local church, probably one of the main reasons someone absence themselves from the church is they reach a place where they, they think they may not express it this way but there is this overriding thought in their mind I've already heard every sermon I already know all about the Bible I already have a relationship with Jesus uh, I've heard 20 sermons on the baptism in the Holy Spirit but what you don't understand is there are hundreds that have never heard one and what we need for you to do is get down here and pray them through to the fullness of the Holy Spirit so if you have such great faith and are so spiritual, we need you desperately. Well, sometimes they do periodically come to church, but they never seem to make a commitment. This is a good time to make a commitment. Next Sunday at 1030, there's an, another membership class. That's a door into the ministry and involvement in this church. So plan on coming next week, 1030. They say they love Jesus, but dislike the church. Sometimes they even say, I hate organized religion. Now, to an extent, I'm, I understand sometimes what people say when they say, I don't like religion, I, I, but I have relationship. And they're saying it to emphasize their relationship with Christ. But we don't just have a relationship with Christ. We're to have a relationship with others. And so when it comes to understanding the local church, uh, there are many reasons people may slip out. Some may even say, uh, there's too many hypocrites in the church. To that I would say, I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than go to hell with them. That's what I would say. And so, hey, we've all been a little hypocritical in our life at times. Jesus railed against hypocrites in the organized religion of Judaism. The New Testament is largely comprised of letters written by uh, the Apostle Paul to problem-plagued congregations that were the first churches ever to exist, such as Corinth that was, had all kind of divisions in it. No, they were not perfect. But Paul didn't write to them and said, hey, for those of you that are spiritual, I just leave that church because they're messed up. No, he wrote to them to instruct them in a better way, in a Christ-like way, so that they could stay together and weave together and intertwine and impact that city as only they could in unity instead of division. Well, who started organized religion anyway? Well, the answer is God did. God organized Judaism. You go through the Old Testament, you see what the priest had to do. I'm like, thank God I'm not a priest in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, serving Christ in the New Testament is so much better. Jesus organized the church of today. The, the New Testament church, also known as his church. Well, the apostles, look at this, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, gathered new Christian converts and made them into congregations 
and appointed elders and deacons that devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. The New Testament assumes membership in a local congregation. That's the whole basis of the New Testament is fellowship and relationship, breaking of bread together, generosity, praying, and get together in the Word. Well, in the Bible, the only Christians who were not members of the local fellowship were those under church discipline who had been removed because of some great public sin and they would not repent. Sometimes people lead churches because they get hurt. See, thank God that lady sent that email. Uh, when people get hurt, and we've hurt people, um, certainly to our uh, sadness, but we've hurt people, and I would think or hope in every situation it was unintentional, but there are some of you sitting here today, you were hurt in churches, you were devastated, you, your family, just torn apart, and the pain was enormous. Uh, I brought a larger bottle of water with me out here today. It's about 30-something ounces. Uh, why don't we just say this bottle represents your pain. You've been hurt. It's legitimate. And uh, uh, they hurt you maybe intentionally or otherwise, but you've been hurt here or somewhere else. But let's say this represents your pain. Now, I can hold this bottle as I picked it up. It feels almost like featherweight. Uh, nothing to it. I can, I can lift this easily. Uh, some time ago, I told Alice, I'm going to get some little barbells and I'm going to work out. So I got 10 pounds. She said, oh, that's too heavy. I'm like, honey, oh my goodness, I'm a man. And so 10 pounds is nothing. And so I'm embarrassed to say it was only 10. All right, so anyway, but I could hold this for five minutes without any problem whatsoever. This bottle represents pain that maybe all of us have had or experienced. I could hold it for five minutes without any problem. How many of you think I could hold this for 30 minutes out like this? For heaven's sake, this is a, this, this, a, you need encouragement, folks. The spirit of encouragement come upon your life. How many of you could be believe that I could hold this for an hour? Oh, yeah, I could. Lord willing. And um, <laughs> now the thing is, I'm already feeling a little something, all right? <laughs> I had someone, I won't mention his name, it starts with an E-L-L, -L, W-O-O-D. He said, you can't hold that 20 minutes. And I'm like, 20 minutes? After this service, I'm going to have to do something, okay? And so, um, but he said, you can't do it because it will hurt too bad. It's, it's start, I'm starting to feel it. I'm telling you, this will cause me pain. I suspect he's right. In 20 minutes, I will be in severe pain. In an hour, my mind will be impacted. I'll be like, dear God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Emotionally, I'll be impacted. This that I can hold quickly 
long term will devastate my life. There are people that have carried this around for a year or two or three. It's called pain and it will, or hurt. It's called hurt and it will cause you pain and grief and agony and it will affect you physically and mentally. I say it's time to put the hurt down and leave it and forgive them and ask God to help you get over it so you don't carry it anymore. So God help us to do that. The longer we hold on to it, the heavier it's going to become and the more pain it will cause us. Cast all your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. God help us. The meaning and purpose of life that's one of the things that mankind is searching for, the meaning and purpose of life. And you know what? We know the answer to the meaning and purpose of life right here in our fellowship, other congregations around this city. We know the meaning and the purpose of life. So when people come in that don't know Christ, we've got the answer. Some of the biggest questions of life, like to feel love. People want to feel love and appreciate it. God help us to be a part of the body of Christ in such a way. And you say, well, I'm been, I've been here and nobody's invited. Listen, show yourself friendly. Get out of that comfort zone. Uh, go to someone, uh, meet people, uh, get involved uh, in ministry and classes and, and all kinds of ministry. Volunteer for things. Uh, you'll meet people. You'll connect with people. You'll have identity with people. And in your tough time, you can say, hey, uh, let, pray for me. I'm going through this. And you'll have somebody praying for you and encouraging you and telling you that God's going to help you and you're going to get over it. And it's going to be a miracle in the end. So... We desperately need that. Let me show you the story of a couple and a young man that uh, God used some of you or somebody in this church to be a blessing to them. My name is Mike Brown. My name is Carlos Diaz. My name is Ruth, Ruth Brown. I've been attending Faith Assembly for five years. I've been at the church for three years. Our story started when we first moved here. I never grew up with a dad. Um, and I was very angry as a kid uh, when I found that out. I started um, to get into fights. When we moved here, we didn't, we didn't know anybody. I, di I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends or family. And um, we also didn't have a church that we were going to. It was just very hard, especially not growing up with a dad, because in the TV shows or even my friends at school and whatnot, I've always seen their dad there for them, uh, training them in, in sports or, you know, just giving them encourage, encouraging them um, to do better in school, to be a better person. I never had that. While I was giving birth, I had some minor complication. Um, and so afterward, I was experiencing a lot of pain. And so I was home, I was home alone with him and because my husband, Michael, he was traveling a lot. So then life from there was always hard. My mom was a believer, but I wasn't. She's always been there as a mom and as a dad. I met someone and then they, um, they invited me to, to faith. But my issue is just like, I didn't want to come to a big church. I did not like, I didn't like a big church. I wanted something small because I wanted, because I, I know I needed a connection. I needed people. I needed friends. 2015, my freshman year of high school, 
my friend invited me to this event called Encounter Day. And she told me that it's not the church, it's just a small group we are inviting you to. So I decided to go and I started coming to a small group and then I just fall in love with the church. I fall in love with the people and um, that was it. My heart was like sold out with the love and the kindness that I, that the people showed me. Even though they didn't know me, they welcomed me and... Um, we ended up walking there. Um, he couldn't find us a ride and I was super mad. I was like, why are we walking to a church? Like, um, funny story, we got there, we got an encounter day late, but we got to the part when they were talking about um, uh, dad issues. Uh, I remember Pastor Josh was uh, speaking, uh, touching on his story about his dad and whatnot, and I really broke down crying. I knew that that was it, that was my place, that was my community that God had for me. Just growing up from a freshman in high school to now a, um, a college-age student, um, it's just been a blessing in my life. Then after I became pregnant with my third child, um, Joshua, about a year ago, and so it's like it was a different experience. And so <laughs> I had my community, I had like so many of like women of God my, that I call my friend. And so even though like I was also experiencing complication with that pregnancy. I had some high blood pressure that I was dealing with. And I remember them just texting me, calling me, and telling me it's gonna be okay. And they were praying with me. The great thing about this church is that even though it's so big, what is always spoken here is that it's, it's also small. There's so many things that you can get plugged into. It is a community and we've really felt that here. I mean, our kids love going to you know, church here, and um, it's really become a home for us. I'm grateful for this church. This church has always been a blessing as well for my life. I've always, um, I've always been a part of productions um, since I came. I've, I've danced. I started doing um, fine arts categories and whatnot, and it's just molded me um, into the person that um, I am today. God had a bigger and better plan for me, and I'm thankful for that. I know this is a safe haven. This is a safe place for my kids and a safe place for our family. I just, I love it. Amen, praise God. Wow, listen, give us a few more minutes. Give us a few more minutes. You noticed on that video, someone invited the couple. Someone invited the young man. And so the invitation went out and uh, things are going on in this church that we have. I mean, it's just happening. Ministry is just happening because people are getting involved, serving Christ, doing what they're to do as a church family. And so they're at Redbug, they're in Michigan. Ministry's happening online. People are excited about Christ, sharing with others. And we're all a part of this. You know, I've looked at the end of the book, folks, and we win. We win. At the end of the book, we win. And so we are victorious in the end. No matter how many struggles that we have, may have gone through in life, we win because we are in Christ. And something uh, about football teams, World Series, baseball, there's championships that come up and somebody ultimately wins. And when they win, they're called the world champions. The Houston Astros in 2017 were the world champions. How many of you like that? Guys, he said it was real. All right. 
I need about five guards after the service, all right? So, but um, all of them got a ring from the one that was the most valuable player to the player that didn't even get off the bench to the people in the back office, to people that the players, they don't even know who, who works in the organization. They all get a ring because all of them had a part in making the win happen. You and I have a part in making the win happen. Jesus said, I will build my church. And you and I are in here helping Jesus build his church. That's his plan for our lives. Well. We don't actually, I think, get a ring in heaven. We get a crown, but that would have messed my hair up, so I didn't go there, all right? Lord's good all the time. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch. I ask, Lord, that every person here that does not have a relation, a personal relationship with you, God, that does not yet see the value of knowing you and serving you. God, as the Holy Spirit right now is touching them and speaking to them and drawing them, Holy Spirit, move upon their hearts. And while every person, every believer is praying, see right now you're, you're doing ministry. You're praying for people that are here in this building. There are couples that are headed to devastation if they don't turn to Christ. Uh, there are people here that desperately need healing that only Christ can bring to their lives. Uh, there are people, they have so messed up their lives that they need a change and they don't know how to do it. They need Jesus. So you're doing ministry as you pray for them. And those of you that are sitting here, you believe in God in your mind but you don't have a relationship with him in your heart. I challenge you today, say yes. Say yes to God's plan for your life. Oh, if you only knew the joys that awaited you, but you'll only know them when you walk through the door of salvation. So you're here, you need Christ, you need forgiveness. Right now, I wanna pray for you. Slip your hand up all across this building, there at Michigan Street, yes. There at Red Bug Lake, yes. Hands going up, yes. Just lift them up. There are others. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Up in the risers, you need Jesus. Lift your hand high. Do it now. You need Christ. There are others here. God's touching your heart, drawing you wanting, desiring. He died for you. He shed his blood for you to forgive your sins. He took the stripes upon his back for you to be healed and walk in fullness of body and life. So let him do his work in your heart. Anybody else? Lift your hand. There at the campuses, lift your hand. In just a moment, the campus pastors are going to make their way to the platform in just a moment, but right now, hands, lift up, lift it up, lift it up. Somebody else, God's dealing with your heart. Young man, lift it up. Say yes to Jesus, yes, yes, young lady, God bless you. Yes, young lady, God bless you. Anyone else? Stand with us, please, all over the building. Stand with us, please, please, if you will. This is such an important time. Please, no one's slipping out yet. We'll dismiss in a few moments, but right now, we don't want anything to distract anyone that needs Christ 
And so Pastor John is gonna lead us in a chorus. Why don't you, right now, as soon as he starts to lead us, if you raised your hand, even if you didn't, you need Christ. Make your way to this altar. We're gonna pray with you at this front. It will only take a few moments of surrender. So make your way here. We wanna pray with you right now. Yes, Lord, yes. Jesus, yes. Oh my God and my Lord. God, do your work of grace and mercy, oh God. Sweep across this building. You raised your hand, you need Christ. Slip out and come. Make your way here. Let's pray together before you leave. Yes, Jesus. My God and my Lord. Oh my God and my Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God. Anybody else? Slip out and come. There are others. You raise your hand from over here. Let me challenge you. Make your way here. Let's come. Jesus. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my God. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There are others. These altars are still open. God's still tugging at your heart. Make your way here. Let's pray today. Let's get right with God. Pastor John's going to lead us in a course of prayer for these. And, and you feel free to keep coming. But after this prayer, let me challenge you to do something. Maybe that you sit in the same area, you see people, but you don't know them. Why don't you go out of your way after this prayer before you leave this building? Find out their name, ask a little about their family, and uh, just get to know them. Why don't you take that initiative and show yourself friendly starting today? Why don't you do that? Let's pray together, please. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for your word today, God. And thank you for those that you've drawn to these altars, those that are reaching out to you right now. Some for salvation, some for deliverance, some for answers, Lord God, some for needs, and some, God, uh, to bring families back together, some for healing, God. But we're thankful that whatever the need is, that by your spirit, you're meeting those right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that when they leave this time in your presence, God, that they would leave whole, full of your joy and peace, Lord God, and ready to continue to walk in the victory that you've given them. And Father, I pray the same all over this congregation, all over those that are watching from uh, whatever place, Lord God, over this broadcast, I pray that we would walk in your victory and in your love and peace and joy this week, Father. I thank you, God, that you're drawing us together as a family. And I pray that, that as you do that, you'll get glory out of each and every one of us. We love you, honor you, and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. Love you so very much. Again, if you're a first-time guest with us today, we want you to know there is a reception out these doors and to your left in our guest welcome center. Otherwise, God bless you, and we hope to see you again very soon.